This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. So I've got with me this morning Kim Portreta, financial planner. Good morning, Kim. Hi, Ruth. Thanks for having me. Kim, before we even get into the whole discussion about finance and what it's all about, can you give us a little bit of info about yourself? Ruth, I think a big thing for me is I don't really see what I do as my job. I love what I do. And I actually decided to change careers in my 30s. So I wasn't in finance before. I'd studied psychology at university. I then went on to have a catering business for for 11 years. And I knew I wanted to help people with their relationships with money. It was something that was so important to me because my background is I came from a very dysfunctional family around money in my childhood. And, And also I wanted to have a career where I was making a difference. So what I did was that I re-studied in my 30s and I studied my certified financial planning and I came in and, and, and I became a financial planner. But I always call it a financial planner with a difference because I've got the psychology background. And also for me, what, what the big thing is, is that I want to talk to people about not only return on investment, but return on life right. because money is an enabler. So my discussions that I have with people is quite different to trying to sell them something. For me, it is just so important that we understand that we need money. We need to focus on it. It causes just as many problems in our lives when we don't have it. And it causes many problems when we do have it, unless we've got it in its right place. And I'm actually so pleased that I asked you that because it's actually wonderful to hear that your background wasn't first in finance and that you actually started off doing different careers and different things, which I think also makes quite a difference to what we're going to be discussing today, very much focusing about women and finances, but specifically how do women manage their finances? And starting off straight out of school, I always remember when I was just out of school, 18, being told, oh, you must have a retirement plan. You must do this and you must do that. But the reality is, is I actually didn't have a clue what it all meant or what it was all about. Could you give us just a little bit of advice about school leavers? What should they be doing financially? Should they be looking at the future at that stage? So the big thing is, Ruth, you know, when you talk to an 18-year-old and you say to them, you must save for retirement, they like kind of look at you. (laughs) You've got no clue. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'm going out there. I'm going to make it in life. Why would I even think about retirement? So I think we need to change the way we speak to people. I think we've got to stop talking about this thing, retirement, which is actually going to be non-existent for many people Mm. because when we're living till 100, we're going to have to be working a hell of a lot longer. So I prefer to talk to people and younger people around putting money away for freedom to choose because if we don't have these investments and if we don't have money put away, mm, we have mm. no choice in life. Absolutely. Money is what makes it all go around. So yeah. if we end up being in a marriage that we don't want to be in, we can't leave. We end up being in a job that we hate. We can't leave. If we want to be opening up our own business, but we have no capital to open yeah. up our own business. If yeah. we want to be tending our children to private schools, but we can't send our children to private mm. schools. It's the habit. So for me, the biggest thing that I want to tell people that are 18 Get into the right habits. And that habit is not spending more than you earn. 
if I earn a thousand rand, I can't be spending two because then I'm just getting on that hamster wheel and that hamster wheel is going to take me to a life where I am never making a choice of what I really right. want to be doing. With my life. And I absolutely love how you use that terminology, freedom to choose. And that can be for anyone 18 to 95. Exactly. So that's my one thing is you can't spend more than you earn. So as right. much as we think our credit cards are our money, they ain't our money. Yeah. And we have to pay it back at a ridiculously high interest rate. And then the second thing for me, and I, I tell every 18-year-old that will listen to me, is whenever you start earning your first paycheck, put a percentage away. Because if we get used to it and we get in the habit, and I use the word again, of putting away a percentage when we are 18, we will do it when we're 30, we will do it when we're 40, right. we'll do it when we're 50. And of course, parental encouragement as well. I mean, you've got to get parents involved with this. At 18, they might be young adults, but they're still also children. Exactly. And Ruth, it goes before that. Mm. Our relationship with money is formed by the age of seven. Many parents I speak to say, well, you know, we, don't, we won't talk to our children about money because it's not the thing to do. But they're watching us. Our children are watching us. They're watching our kind of habits. They're watching how we're doing it. And if we're just continually giving them and we're not explaining to them that we're having to work for it, we're having to invest for it, we're having to do all of that, then they begin to think it just appears from somewhere. Right. Well, it's the two fairy. <laughs> exactly. And it's us parents trying to give our children everything we didn't have. Right. So we're a generation of people that go, well, we didn't have, so let's give our children. Mm. Because if our children have got it, they're going to have an easier life. It's not true. We're making it harder for them. And this is why we're sitting with all the sandwich generation where the middle-aged people are paying for their parents and they're paying for their children. Yeah. And you're not having to work for that. Right. Otherwise, right. you're selling time your entire life. A couple that in their 30s, they might have one or two kids or more, and they need to start looking at investing or at saving. I'm not going to use that word retirement because I loved your freedom to choose quote. What would you say step one would be the most important thing as a couple that they need to actually make sure that they are doing on a monthly basis? Besides that, putting away every month. I'm talking more on that very practical, you know, you get these money market accounts and you get offshore marketing and stock markets and stock exchange. And I don't know any of those words and terminology. So as a financial planner, that's where you would come in. What would you advise? So my first thing is that they're having the conversation. So many couples don't have the conversation around money and they pretend that they don't need to. Mm. And then when things go wrong, then they fight about it. So that's the number one reason people get divorced is because of money. So have the conversation when you're in a neutral space. That would be my first place to start. I know this is boring, but know what you spend. I don't call it a budget. I call it a spending plan. But have a plan and understand where your money goes. If you're earning a thousand rand, know where that thousand rand goes at the end of the day. Most people I meet as a couple don't know where their money is going. So mm -hmm. it's to sit down and not to point fingers at each other, but to work out where is it actually going. Then to have a look and say, okay, so we've got 20% of, of our money that we could, we could put into investment. Now you need to look and say, okay, my first investment I need is an emergency fund. I need to have an emergency fund if something happens where right. there's liquid money I can get to. You also need to make sure that you do have the life insurance. If something had happened to me, I've, I've got to have insurance. If I lose my job, I need to have the income protection. 
because I, I need to protect myself or if I become disabled, I need the disability. So for a young person, it's very different to what I tell an older person, but they would need that. And then you should have what we call a retirement annuity or pension fund because you're getting a tax rebate. And also that's securing you that when you do reach 55, 60, 65, there is money that has been growing that can give you an income when you're in retirement. And then my last one, it would be also to have a liquid investment. So and, and when I'm saying a liquid investment, it's an investment that you can get to before you're in retirement when you want to buy your house or when you want to start your new business or, or whatever you've planned. So when you're looking at what you're going to save, you put percentages of that money into the different places. I'm not saying you get mm-hmm. more money and more money. You yes. take, if it's 100 rand, then you take your 100 rand and you divide it up into those different things. But those are the areas that you would need your money to be going to. But you need a plan. And for me, I can never understand somebody who doesn't have a financial planner because you want somebody keeping you accountable, keeping you on track, not selling you something. Right, yes. So now the couple, let's say now things have gone a bit skew and now they're getting divorced. I remember when I got divorced, I was like a deer in the headlights. I actually didn't know half of what I should have actually been aware of. And I want to be able to say to other women, make sure that you have things in place or educate yourself. What would you advise? So Ruth, I've seen so often when people are going through divorce, let's just say people, we are so emotional. You hurt, you're broken. So when we like that and we're so emotional, we make our worst, worst financial decisions. I mean, I know it sounds terrible, but we should always have a plan for if that ha- happens, because then, then you kind of know all the things you should put into place. So you should have money in your own name. We shouldn't be trying to put all investments into one of the partner's names. There okay. should be investments in both people's names. We should be going to the financial planning meetings together. You don't have to have the same financial planner, but you should understand what each other is doing. You should know where the investments are. How many times I see with women, they go, don't worry, my husband's taking care of me. Mm. I don't need to worry about it because my husband's taking care of me. Then when they get divorced, they say, you can't believe what my husband's done to me. You you just can't believe. He he hasn't been telling me the truth. And I'm saying, but wake up. Take equal responsibility with your husband. Take equal responsibility. It's not fair that they have got all doing all of that. We should both be involved in those discussions. Yeah, and women should be aware of how much are the rates and taxes and what is the monthly cell phone bill and all of that and not just rely on the husband to do that because divorce or death is a very real possibility. And we're, we're good with money, women. You know, mm-hmm. so many women say to me, and I'm not good with money. I don't do money course you can do money stop saying that our thoughts and our words then become our reality I'm right. not good with money I don't do money but you can mm. learn it's actually not difficult it really isn't if right. you want to do it moving on now in terms of COVID I mean we have to mention COVID that recovery plan what advice could you give to a person who's now just trying to get back to where they were? Can we get back to where they were? What sort of time frame are we looking at here? You know what? Everybody's been affected so differently. I've met some people whose businesses flourished. I met many who lost their jobs. I met many who were entrepreneurs who no longer have their businesses. So it's quite hard to to give a blanket advice on that. But I think what I would say to people is, 
to realize that they are their greatest asset. And this is what I sometimes think that people start forgetting. They talk about when I have money, when I do this, not taking that for themselves, the responsibility. So I think having the skills, getting the education that we need, reading the books, reading how other business people have done it. There's so many online courses that are free that you can be doing today. Going and talking to people and actually getting a plan, understanding what it is you want. When I say things and they don't know what it is they want, they can Mm. tell me everything Mm. they don't want, but not what they want. So I think it's really taking that step back and saying, this is what I want to achieve with my life. I'm a great one for vision boarding. I run vision boarding workshops because I really do believe that if we knew where we were going, we would know where to put our time and attention. And, and I think post-COVID, life has changed. And yes, we're not going to get back what we had, but let's look forward to what we want. And for me, a great place to start is, is, is to do that exercise and say, well, this is what I want to achieve. I don't know if it's going to take me one year, five years, 10 years, but this is where I'm going to give my time and attention to. And you mentioned about books, which I wanted to actually chat to you about. You have written a couple of books. First of all, tell us about your books and why you actually decided to write those books. Yeah, Ruth, I'm, I'm not a superior writer and I never really saw myself as an author. But doing the work that I do, I get to work with only a certain amount of clients that can afford to see me and right. maybe have even heard about but I had a message that I wanted to share with people so that's why I wanted to to write my books it was more to share the message and then what I've done in the book the books that I've written I've written one called retirement get more meaning for your money and that's around this retirement transition and then my second one I've written which came out last year is called midlife money makeover and that's for people in their midlife and what both books are doing is looking at these different life transitions and I give ideas of how to, 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 to do the planning. But what I'm also doing is I'm sharing client stories. I give a lot of client stories so that you can relate and you can see and that you don't feel alone. And then I give exercises. Actually, I call them reflections that you can do to get you thinking. Because the biggest thing, and I think you've mentioned it when you said, where do you start? People don't know where to start. Mm, mm. So my books take you through a step-by-step process. This is where you start. This is what you do. This is what you do. And you do all the reflections. And when you finish, you come out with feeling like you've got the next step to get you where you've got to go. So they're very easy, readable books. And, and, and very much they are books not to read only, but to actually do the, do. the reflection work. Yeah. And I love the fact that you mentioned about the sandwich generation. I think it's very much is geared towards that age group. And I mean, it's a reality for so many people. And it's, it's hard when I tell clients they need to look after themselves first yeah. because they're no good to their children. They're no good to their parents. You just have to think about it. If you're supporting your adult children and you're supporting your parents, if something happens to you, that's two lots of people that are destitute. It's not selfish. It's not No, selfish. it's not. Uh, you know, I, I've actually experienced that personally where it's like, oh, my goodness, you need to actually know that there is something in place as a backup plan because next thing you're sitting there with nothing. Kim, I wanted to also ask, you get your check account and you get a savings account. What is actually the difference? Well, you know, I, I still wonder to this day, I go to the shops and they say, check your savings account. And I'm like, well, check. But <laughs> what's the difference? 
So really, it's different interest rates that you're receiving on, on your money. So normally in a savings account, it's not your day-to-day. -day. So your, your check account would be your day-to-day -day expenses that would come out of it. There'd be a lot of movement. Often nowadays, the savings accounts are money market accounts. And some of the, the, the different banks, they put, I mean, just depending which one you've got, like often with a bank with a money market, you have to have a minimum of 100,000 in, in there. And they don't want you to draw down it. And then they give you a better interest rate. So you're just making a better interest rate on it. And then obviously the one that you add on to that, which most of us have, is our credit cards. And the big advice that I could just give you on the credit cards is they're not bad to have as long as every single month, at the end of the month, you pay the full amount that you own. So important is that you're not then using budget facilities to run it because that interest, and this is what people do, they say to me, well, I've got all this debt. I get a lot of phone calls around debt. You can't even be investing if, if, you, if you've got debt. You have to get rid of your debt because the costs involved in you borrowing this money and, and running up this debt are way, way, way eating into anything that you would be getting from an investment. And this is just the cycle that we get into. Right. And I wish they were teaching us at school. What no, well, I was just going to say. Why no, are not doing that? They really? don't. Yeah, they really should be. But uh, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> so we were talking about the interest rates. How does a person know which is going to be the right product for them? How do we know what is better in the long run? I really don't think there's much difference when it's our day-to-day -day money. But when it really counts is when it's our investments. And those savings accounts, it's not enough interest to keep up with inflation. Correct. So we need to be, and that's why those structures of having, say, a retirement annuity or having unit trusts become so important to be part of our whole investment structure because that is in equities and it's in bonds and it's in cash and it's diversified so that it can give us a return that's more than inflation. We, we need to get our money to just, Keep above inflation. Right, yes. That's the problem. If you're keeping it in your bank account, you're never getting above inflation. And if you're not getting above inflation, you're actually getting poorer and poorer. So the whole reason that we invest is so that our money can grow so that it's, it's growing above inflation. Right. The other thing I wanted to ask you, we were talking about credit cards and debt and all of that. Can you tell us a little bit about how does it work with your credit rating? So really, I mean, from, from a credit rating, you know, we, we're all told when we start working, open an account so you can, you can build yes. up a credit rate. But again, I mean, we, we, we do need to do that because for most of us, we're going to get a bond. We, when we're getting our salary, we look at what we can afford. And instead of renting our whole lives, we get a bond. And, and, and the banks do look at But what they're looking at is how we pay back. So at all times, and that's why I'm saying it's not bad to have a credit card but pay it back. When they send you and they say that you owe 3,000 rand, that you can pay or you can pay the minimum amount and people will go and pay the minimum amount. That's not giving us a good track record. Right. We, if we are paying our accounts and we're paying them on time, we, we, we start to get a good track yes. record. And that's actually very important, the on time thing. I discovered that where I had one account where I was always paying it a day or two after it was due. And when I actually applied for something, I got a bad credit rating. I couldn't figure this out and discovered it was because of that. I, not that I hadn't paid it, just I was paying it a day or two late. So I always think work on debit orders. So for me, when I invest, I have a debit order first. I pay myself at the beginning of the month, not at the end of the month with what's left. 
I take my debit order at the beginning of the month to go into my investments. As I take my debit order at the beginning of the month to go into my credit card. Because otherwise I get a false sense and I start mm. thinking, I've got all this money. In the meantime, I haven't got money because I owe this. And I, and I see my investment as one of those that I owe money to. Just like you pay a car, you pay a bond. There's this X amount that's going into the retirement annuity, into the living annuity, in that way, and into insurances. In that way, I've got in those right habits of going forward that, that actually I've got money. Kind of what I always say is you want money to be your servant, not your master. Right. Absolutely. The in debt, money is a master. What would you advise is good credit to have? Just from my point of view, I remember once again going through that divorce, we had joined everything. And then when I decided, right, I need to get myself a credit card, I couldn't even get a credit card because I had no credit track record. As long as you're disciplined, you, you can't have a credit card if you're going to get a credit card and you're going to take it on budget and you're going to max it. Because then you're taking it for the for the wrong reasons. It's also with a bond. I mean, people say, you know, should I just save up and then only buy a home? None of us would ever be able to buy a home then. So right. if you say, what is good credit? I mean, a bond is, is, is something that for me, put away and then I've built it up and I've built it up. But all the time being conscious that you're not having more and more credit than what you're earning. Right. So you, you've got to be able to balance it with what you're earning. Right. And Kim, just to end off your top tips in terms of investing and saving for the future. I'm not one of these people that are going to give you a tip and say, you should be in this share or you should be in this asset class. I believe in diversification. You've got to go across all the different asset classes and you've got to be prepared to look at it long-term. People who are in and out and want it all in one day that instant gratification doesn't work on investing. It's all about compounding. So it's really simple if you're prepared to be patient and you're prepared to be disciplined. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. This advice has been invaluable. I've been chatting with Kim Portgetter and you're listening to Ruth Baynard on Generation Education 101.9 High FM.